Welcome to the GDPR Stand Up Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to helping you succeed with GDPR compliance. Your host is Rocio Beza. She is a cybersecurity consultant that enjoys helping organizations with GDPR compliance. Yes, the internet holds plenty of free information about GDPR. However, it's usually filled with lots of jargon and complexity. It's not obvious, but the status quo is placing consumers, yes, you and me, in a vulnerable position. Rocio is on a mission to change that. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's show. I'm Rocio Baeza, and today we're going to be talking about a fairly interesting topic to me. Uh, So this topic is, uh, or the title of today's episode is, What is GDPR? The Facts and Our Quick Applicability Test. So I'm going to start off with a story. Um, So, and before I do that, um, let me give you some context as to why I want to talk about this. So when we were hearing about all this GDPR noise back in 2018, uh, even before, uh, before GDPR took effect, I I would see lots of questions, lots of questions around, um, oh, well, I don't think GDPR applies to me. My organization is not based in Europe, so I'm good. Or other things that I would hear are things like, hey, we're actually very small. And I think GDPR applies to larger organizations, larger enterprises. So I think GDPR doesn't apply to me. So we're going to be talking about that in this episode. But first, I want to start with a story. So if you know a little bit more about how I made it here into the GDPR space, how I broke into the cybersecurity space, then you would know that coming out of school, this is not something that I was planning on doing. So my background is in mathematics, and I figured that that would be a a degree that would allow me to just explore what I want to do after after school because I didn't know what I wanted to do. A part of me wanted to teach, a part of me wanted to go into business, and another part of me wanted to go into technology. So uh, fast forward a couple of years after coming out of school and I found myself uh, being responsible for security. So at that time, uh, so th- this was back in ar- around the 2011 timeframe, uh, my manager at the time, uh, he had been running security audits at the company. Uh, he was very busy and he needed some help. So he asked me if this is something that I could take on. And of course I said, yes, I figured, hey, it's something new, something that I can uh, learn more about about and my first break into the cybersecurity space was when supporting PCI audits. So if you're not familiar with the acronym PCI, it stands for Payment Card Industries. And basically if your organization accepts card payments, then you have to worry about PCI compliance. Now, um, so when I first started entering this uh, PCI world, I thought that, all right, if an organization has to comply with uh, PCI requirements, then it means that all organizations have to do all of the things all the time. 
and that quickly led me to feel overwhelmed and lost and i i was frustrated to be honest so if you are not familiar with pci so think so it's basically a set of standards the common standard is called the pci dss uh, this is organized in six uh, goals and it is uh, divided into 12 requirements and uh, for each requirement there's like sub -re requirements so again initially i thought that okay if an organization had to comply with the pci dss it means that for all of the it systems that the organization is running uh all these these 12 pci dss requirements have to be satisfied for all of the systems all the time and i thought oh man <laughs> That's hard. I mean, I I was feeling overwhelmed. I was feeling lost. I was feeling defeated, um, especially because as I was supporting these PCI audits, and at the time I was responsible for, hey, if there were any findings that the auditors found, part of my job was to make sure that we had a remediation plan so that when the audit, uh, when the auditors came back next year, uh, we would be able to say, hey, uh, you know those issues that you found? We, uh, we fixed them. So, so when I was thinking, all right, so there are all these findings that the hunters found, and I have to work with a number of different teams because different teams manage different IT systems. Uh, I wasn't managing these, these teams, so I had to somehow figure out, okay, how can I convince these teams to correct these issues uh, by a certain time? And I would pray that the teams would just somehow absorb that as part of their day-to-day -day risk responsibility so that come next year, um, I could tell the auditors, hey, yeah, we, fi we fixed it. And I'm saying this because if you are responsible for GDPR at your organization, you're probably feeling, you may be feeling the same way. Oh my gosh, um, I have to worry about GDPR for all the systems, all the data that our, my organization holds. And I don't know if it's doable. I don't know if it's something that I can actually do. And you can easily start to feel defeated and, uh, and frustrated uh, in the, jur the, the journey. So going back to my PCI example, uh, after years of going through these uh, PCI audits, I realized that PCI actually allows for segmentation. What that means is an organization can segment their organization in a very particular way so that uh, the PCI requirements that the organization has to follow, uh, they would only apply to a subset of the organization. In uh, other words, if you, if you basically set up some boundaries around the, your, the organization so that card data is only flowing in a part of the organization, then the effort and the resources and the time that it took to achieve a PCI compliance, it would be much less. So the reason that I'm sharing the, the story is because uh, the same way that, um, that not all 12 
PCI DSS requirements apply to all organizations um, for GDPR, not all of the GDPR requirements apply to your organization. And I, to me, this is great news. This is great news because we can really hone in on, all right, what are the areas that we have to focus on? Uh, what are the areas that have to comply with GDPR? And, and, and just focus our attention there as opposed to getting everything uh, compliant with GDPR. And I'm not saying that uh, organizations shouldn't aim for everything to be consistent, but I am saying that as a starting point, I think it makes sense to focus on what you have to do. And once you have something established and it makes sense, uh, then uh, it makes sense to take an extra step and mature that uh, it, uh, uh, when, when the time comes. All right, so for today's lesson, uh, I'm gonna be walking you through a quick applicability test that I put together uh, to help organizations understand, all right, does GDPR apply to me, yes or no? And I think that by taking this simple step, organizations will have more clarity as to, all right, should I continue to worry about this? Or is this something that I can just uh, put, to, put to bed so that I can no longer focus my energy around that and I can focus around the other things that require my attention? So um, this applicability test, so it's a three-point question. Uh, I like to make things simple. Uh, my experience is has been that if you make something simple, uh, it's more likely for people to be able to follow. Cybersecurity and data pri the data privacy space, it's already complex. So whenever I can, I look to simplify things. All right. So, so these are the three questions that are in my uh, quick applicability test. So question number one is, is your organization located in the EU? Yes or no? Now the EU that stands for European Union. So if so, just take a couple of seconds and answer that question for yourself. Is your organization located in the EU? Question number two is, do you service the EU market? Yes or no? Now, basically, if your product or service is available internationally, regardless of where you're located, if there's an opportunity for someone to, um, to work with you to buy your product or your service, and, and that person can be in the e EU, um, then you would answer yes, because your product or service would be available in the EU market. And question number three, the last one is, do you hold information about a living person that is from the EU or that is living in the EU? Yes or no. So when you're answering the third question, I want you to think about uh, your customers customers that have uh, used your product or service, um, do you hold information about someone that is living still <laughs> and is either from the EU or that is living in the EU? Also think about the people that you are targeting to. So they, these may not be your customers, but these may be 
um, these may be prospects. So you may not have sold a good or a product, but you may have uh, provided them with inf information and may maybe you hold information about them. Uh, maybe it's an email address, maybe it's their contact information. Um, think ab uh, about prospects as well. The other two categories that I want you to think about when you're thinking about this question number three is our employees and contractors. So do you, does your organization employ anyone that is from the EU or that is living in the EU? Uh, and the same thing applies to contractors. Are you contracting out any type of work to someone that is from the EU or from someone that is living in the e e EU? So if you answered yes to any of these three questions, then it makes sense uh, for you to continue your due diligence because it's very likely that GDPR applies to your or organization. So I'm going to repeat those three uh, questions in our quick applicability test. Question number one, are you located in the EU? Yes or no. Question number two, do you service the EU market? Yes or no. And question number three is, do you hold information about a living person that is from the EU or that is living in the EU? Yes or no. And and if, if you answered yes to any of these three questions and you're ready to continue with your security due diligence process, then that next step would be to create a data inventory. Now, uh, we, I will be talking about what that actually is in a future episode, but just know that um, this quick applicability test is like step zero. And if you answered yes to any of these three questions, then your next step is to create that data inventory. All right. So at the top of the episode, we talked about some questions and I want to address two things. So the first thing that I want to address is, um, so you might be still not convinced. Uh, you may not be convinced that the EU, uh, I'm sorry, that GDPR applies to you, even though you may have answered yes to one of the three questions that we just covered. So, and you may say, hey, well, I'm not located in the EU, so I don't really have to worry about GDPR. There's other important things that I should be worrying about. So uh, there, so I have two responses to that. So the first one is I wanna cite the article, the GDPR article that I would want you to take a closer look. So GDPR is organized in a number of different uh, articles. And uh, for, for the article around what types of organizations GDPR applies to, I, I want to focus your direction to Article 3, uh, which talks about territorial scope. So there are three uh, topics that the, this article uh, addresses, and I want to just uh, quickly read the, the first two. So... Number one, under Article 3, it says, this regulation applies to the processing of personal data in the context of the activities of an establishment of a controller or a processor in the union, regardless of whether the processing takes place in the union or not. What this means is the organization doesn't have to be in the EU. The organization doesn't have to be handling personal information in the EU. 
uh, if they are handling personal data about an EU citizen or an EU resident, then GDPR applies to that organization. Now I'm going to read uh, number two. Uh, this is number two again in Article 3. So it reads, this regulation applies to the processing of personal data of subjects, of data subjects who are in the union by a controller or a processor not established in the union, where the processing activities are related to the offering of goods and services, irrespective of whether a payment of the data subject is required to such data subjects in the union, or the monitoring of their behavior as far as their behavior takes place within the union. So to put it in layman terms, uh, this uh, point number two is basically saying, um, hey, the organization doesn't have to be established in the union. Um, and this organization doesn't have to receive money, receive some sort of pay payment uh, in order for GDPR to take place. In other words, if the organization um, is holding personal data about an EU resident or citizen, then the regulation applies. So if you are getting pushback from others in the organization that, hey, GDPR may not apply to the organization, I would point you to article number three. And I would re recommend that legal counsel be involved incorrectly determining that. All right. So uh, my other response to, hey, I'm not located in the EU, so it doesn't apply to me, is um, I want to point you to a recent GDPR fine that was issued to a hospital in Portugal. I'm going to include a link to the article in the show notes, uh, but at a very high level, so this, so, um, this hospital, they're called Centro Hospitalar Barreiro Monijo. So they were issued a fine of 400,000 euros uh, for those Americans. Uh, this comes out to about $460,000. That's a lot of money. Uh, and this fine was issued for violating the GDPR. Uh, now, at a high level, the violations had to do with uh, more, so lots of people had access to personal da data and those people that had this level of access, um, it was deemed that it was excessive. So more people had access to personal data than they were supposed to. Um, third, uh, secondly, uh, it was found that no technical or organizational measures were in place to prevent the unlawful access to personal data. And number three, um, there, there was, it was found that the, the hospital did not have continued measures to ensure the confidentiality, integrity, and availability of systems and services that were processing personal data. So uh, at a future episode, we will be covering just a closer look at, at these organizations that are being slapped with these GDPR fines. But I think the takeaway here is, hey, uh, a hospital that is located in per Portugal, they were issued a fine and it was a hefty fine. And I expect to see more of these reports uh, go, uh, going into 2019. 
All right. So to close out this uh, episode, I just want to point point you to a free resource that we have that I think will uh, be helpful to you. So if uh, if you uh, took those uh, our quick applicability test and you answered yes to one of the three questions, I want to point you to our uh, free resource, which is called the 10 GDPR components. So. I know when I was uh, starting to learn about GDPR, I felt very lost because it was all of these requirements um, and and I felt like I was having a very hard time wrapping my head around, all right, what are all of the requirements and how can I keep track of all of them? And so to help me with that, I put together a, uh, a sheet where I basically uh, broke down the GDPR into 10 components and I call it the 10 GDPR components. Um, we will be covering uh, that resource uh, in detail in a future episode, but if you go to our website at gdprstandup.com and if you scroll towards the middle, you should be able to see an image that says the 10 GDPR components. If you click on that, uh, you will be taken to a screen where you can see that. And if you want to download that as a PDF, uh, you can do that as well. Uh, thanks for checking us out uh, for this episode and looking forward to seeing you in a future one. Goodbye. Hey there, wait, wait, before you close out the episode, I wanna quickly share, I recently started a virtual community to help professionals like you on your journey with GDPR compliance. Now, when I got started with the cybersecurity space, I found myself uh, doing lots of, of reading, Google searches, and trying to find information. I oftentimes had to uh, do a lot of investigation before I was able to uh, figure out, okay, what's my next step? Or how do I address this problem that I'm facing? And I want to I, I I want to provide you the resource that I wish I had as I was learning this. If if this sounds interesting, I invite you to learn more about this virtual community. And you can do that by going to our website, gdprstandup.com and clicking on the button that says click to join our virtual community. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the GDPR Stand-Up Podcast. If you need additional help, please check us out at gdprstandup.com. Until next time.